What fresh hell is this? Mommy! Where are my damn glasses? Alicia, it's your mother. When you get a chance, give me a call, please. Thank you. Has anybody seen my phone? Mom! Mom! Honey! Oh, shit. I think something's burning in the kitchen. Where are my goddamn glasses? Mama! Alicia, I just hung up with producers. They loved your read. They said you owned the room. Great job, sweetheart. But they're going in another direction. Which direction? Away from you. Mom, never mind. Oh, great. Found my glasses. Hello, I am Alicia Coppola. I am an actress and an author of Gracefully Gone on Amazon, hard copy, and Kindle. Shameless plug. I am a wife, a mother of three daughters, a chef, a laundress, a maid, a vacuumer of copious amounts of dog hair. But what I really am is a bootstrap bitch. I have pulled myself up on my bootstraps more times than I can count. Like most of my guests, I haven't always had it easy. Everyone has a story. Some of my guests are famous. Some are just famous in their own homes. Some are getting through or have gotten through major ordeals, and others are just trying to make it through Monday. All of their transformational journeys are inspiring, aspiring, and courageous. We who pull ourselves up by our bootstraps don't bitch. We do. Welcome to Bootstrap Bitch. My guest today is a woman I admire. She is my peer. She was my co-star. She is my friend. She was a model, turned actress, turned wife, turned mother of two daughters, turned wife for the second time, which turned her into a warrior protector of her daughters and herself, which in turn, see what I did there, turned her towards oatmeal, uber, and most important, surrender and grace. Here is Ashley Scott. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Alicia. Thank you so much for being on this episode of Bootstrap Bitch. Girl, I'll do anything. Girl. I'll follow you anywhere. I'm sorry? I said I'll follow your lead anywhere. Oh, bless your heart. And I would follow you into hell. Well, we've gotten close. We have, haven't we? And I think that's why I'm drinking my Sousa tequila. And what are you drinking? I am drinking a big giant ball jar of truly which is dangerous. Okay, truly, I'm going to have to try really, that. It's like a um, LaCroix, but has a little bit of a little bit of zip to it. But they go bit. down a little too easy, so. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we're on the floor and pregnant. <laughs> no. <That's> no. <laughs> Golly, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, bite uh, our tongues. That kind of makes me want to throw up a little bit. Just the very idea of that. I'm so happy to have you on the show because you are probably one of the most beautiful uh, women, people that I have ever had the privilege of knowing. I don't only mean that from obviously your outside is completely stunning, but your insides are just angelic. Let's just very quickly go into your career. You started off as I did as a model with elite modeling management. I uh, went to New York for summer when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, yep. I was scouted and the deal was that my big brother, Josh, Dr. Josh, <laughs> Dr. Josh, who just graduated from high school, uh, was going to be my chaperone. <laughs> the only way that I could go to New York City for the month was if he came with me. And so we got a little studio apartment 
and and slept on you know a little floor bed and and I experienced what it was like and it was so very enticing you know just just seeing more of the world I mean when I was growing up I wanted to be a truck driver because I wanted to travel so like this was like oh there's more I want to you know and there was some uh not some, I was also something, I found something I was good at. I was getting attention for something that I was doing. Similar to me, I was a, I wanna say I was a sophomore at college at NYU and I needed to find an apartment and the woman who owned the apartment was a model with Elite. And she said, did you ever think about modeling? And I was like, yes, cause I did a little bit as a kid. So um, they signed me that day. So I just found it very interesting that we were both with Elite, which is one of the biggest modeling agencies in the world. Yeah. So from there, your career just pretty much skyrocketed. You went on to do Dark Angel, Birds of Prey. Um, you went on to do Into the Blue, which was a huge tipping point for you. Yeah. And Jericho, then you did 2015, you did Unreal. I mean, you have not stopped working as an actress. And that's a very difficult transition from model to actress. Absolutely. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was a lot of just, you know, cojones. It was not knowing what the hell I was doing, learning my lines from the back of their lines, because I didn't know all I knew how to do was memorize. And do my best at pretending. <laughs> it was like, but I was terrified. I mean, Dark Angel, AI was my first job. And yeah, yeah. Spielberg was so lovely. He was so nice. And I, you know, I walked, I said, excuse me, um, Mr. Spielberg. You know, he came over. And he said, yes. And I said, my name is Ashley. And he goes, Ashley Scott, I know. I had one little teeny one line. And I said, you know, I, I'm a model. I really don't, I've never done this before. And I'm pretty nervous. And he was so great. He sat down with me at the, at the lunch table and gave me a, a, a lesson, just letting me know where the cameras were and how many cameras and the different departments. And it was really, really a cool first experience. And his wife uh, was a model or is a model or was, sure, you know, sure. and so he had a lot of respect for me. It was, it was a really nice uh, exchange. He was very loving and paternal in his direction, um, which was really lovely. And uh, yeah, so I did that and I, messed up the line 30 times <laughs> but they used the image on the poster thank gosh you know and that catapulted it into uh dark angel mm -hmm. which was a you know a very frightening first experience mm -hmm. but i showed up every day and i just kept doing my best and it and it worked i'm still was, acting like an actor i was telling my daughter's fifth grade class on career day, I signed up, you know, for career day. And so I went from Zoom to Zoom from nine o'clock to 11 o'clock. They were asking me how I, be, how I decided to become an actress. And I said, I, I never said yes. Right. I never made a conscious decision that, oh, I'm going to be an actress. I was going to be a lawyer. I have a degree in philosophy and political anthropology from New York University. I was going to go to NYU Law. Right. I told them that I do believe that artists are chosen for whatever reason. I believe I could be wrong. It, it all stems from our childhood. Mm -hmm. I think it's the things that happen to us, happened around us, happen within us mm -hmm. that make God give us a path so that we may express what otherwise we must keep in. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Because I have better sense. I am, I am way more educated than to be, I'm, <laughs> I'm over. You're so smart. I'm too smart to buy. My parents paid way too much money for that in my teeth. For right. me, I mean, my teeth have come in handy, but my education cost a bloody fortune. And here I am, you know, an actress uh, trying to pay the mortgage. Yeah. Which many of us are, which yeah. is why I go back to people would think, oh, Ashley Scott, she's, she's on this show. She's on that show. She's in this movie. Look at the face. Look at the body. Look, she's got it all handled. She's got it all under control. She is everything everybody wants to be. That's what it looks like. Mm. But can you tell me what it actually was? Mm, that's a very good question. Um, it was a young girl that was convinced that she was not smart. Um, really had felt, uh, I felt just like I couldn't really do anything right, you know, in grade school. Um, also suffered sexual abuse at very, very, very young. Hadn't discovered that yet. It hadn't shown itself. It had been repressed. Um, but there was a lot of just, I didn't believe that I was enough. And so all of a sudden, my face changed. I mean, I don't think my mom will disagree. She thinks I was a beautiful young child. <laughs> but I went through the stage. I'm a thumb sucker still to this day, like 43-year-old thumb sucker. So imagine the big buck teeth the glasses, the whole thing, the gangly, you know, I mean, most models say that, you know, they were sort of the, the awkward uh, child. So I had that going for me too. I was just like, you know, this baby deer that was walking around. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, and then all of a sudden things started to change and I started to become attractive, I suppose, and got attention for that. And it felt really good to be honest, it felt really, really good. And I felt like it was my way to be free. <laughs> it was my way to get out. Would you say that the sexual abuse that you suffered as a child, you realized once you knew that you were beautiful, that you could turn that into a power? That was your superpower? Was to be <laughs> attractive? Was that your way of dealing with that pain, was to turn it into a positive? Uh, yes, I mean, I, I think, I wasn't emotionally evolved enough to put it into those words. And I don't even believe that I led with that. I, I sort of um, never really believed that I was, I knew I was attractive, but I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, I'm the best looking, you know, I, I didn't have that self-esteem. So yeah, I, I didn't really lead with that. I also was very lucky to have had um, a woman that was a really good friend when I was in Charleston, South Carolina who had left and started modeling. So she had already been to New York. She had already done all these things and came back to Charleston. And um, she was really, really helpful in guiding me. And she and I had a conversation when I was very young, maybe 14, and she said, you know, and she used the words powerful. She said, you, you what you are in, in your bright light, but also your looks and what you're gonna be able to do is powerful. And you have to be very careful with how you treat people, how people are allowed to be, you know, it, it, I, I'd never thought of it that way. And I remember it, it was a nugget that I held with me. And so I knew that, you know, but I, I guess my self-esteem was too low to really utilize it. 
<laughs> it's only now that everything is sort of dissipating that now I'm like, oh, the power. I could have really done something with that. I remember my, my first manager, she said something I will never forget. She said, you must be careful with who gets you. Because if the wrong person gets you, they'll ruin you. Wow. But if the right person gets you, they could really just blow up your world in a beautiful mm -hmm. way. And I remember that because I remember like you being a child who suffered trauma mm -hmm. uh, with my father being diagnosed with cancer at, at 12 years old, mm -hmm. that I was a very, I was searching for daddy. I was oh, yeah. constantly searching for my self-esteem in other people. Mm -hmm. Those words, whether she knew it or not at the time, I think I was 19 or 20 years old, mm -hmm. those words were nuggets that I've always kept with me in the back of my mind, whomever I'm working with, whomever I chose to be with or to befriend, I needed to know that they would get me mm -hmm. and get me on a very primal level. Mm, because mm. that's where I live from. I don't really live from my head. You know, as I, I hope I don't offend people, but the late, great Charles Keating, who um, I was on Another World with, said to me when I was leaving the soap operas um, in this very thick, upper crust British accent, always remember and never forget to act from your cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, and that the place where all the feelings come from? That's the pl that's where it all comes from, man. That's where all life the comes womb. from. It just all comes from there. Call it what you want, but that's where it all comes from. And that's where I live my life from. That's that's in here, you know? Which is why I always connected with you. I remember you and I were in my trailer. I was suffering a miscarriage of twins yeah. and you were going through such pain from endometriosis and the end of your marriage. Yeah, yeah. I was peeing. You were, you were sitting on my couch and the AD was there. And I remember you and I just sharing this moment of complete, we didn't have to talk. There was nothing to say. We completely understood each other on that primal level. From that moment, you have never let things get you down. So can you talk about how you took yourself from that moment, which I believe was a really difficult moment in your life, to the next moment that got you through? Oh, I wish it was that. Uh, <laughs> I wish it was like that. I am really only internalizing or able to explore the pain that I was in after that first marriage now. And I've really been grieving it now. I thought that I had grieved it and I had not. I am a serial monogamist. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't until my second divorce, I'm going for the Elizabeth Taylor, you see. Why not? <laughs> Keep them coming. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Problem is you're not getting the jewelry, Ashley. You're doing this all wrong. I got it all wrong. All wrong. I, that was the, you know what? <laughs> I know. You're just, know. you're fucking this up three I ways really went Sunday. For the heart and for the, you know, actually I went for the I can, you know, I'll love you through it. I will, you know, I'll get you through. And I picked people that, you know, weren't always the best or the good hearted people, but maybe weren't. It started with the looking for dad. Daddy, mm -hmm. what you I, said, right? mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely had a needing attention, needing that fulfillment, needing someone to say, you're okay, you're good. I, you know, like you, or you're doing that right. You know, I needed that. And that was from 
all of the missing things from my childhood for from the paternal aspect. Did you have a dad? Obviously, you had a father. Was yeah, I do. He's still, your... he's still with us. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, and I love him very much. And we really worked um, on our relationship in a really nice way. And we're in a really good place. But I don't think he was, he was brought up in West Texas. And it, he didn't really know what to do. It was a boys club. Mm-hmm. So I was sort of, he just didn't quite know what to do with me, really. He knew what to do with Josh. Josh was very, you know, good at sports. He had, they could go fishing, they could do all the stuff. And I was emotional and, you know, I was speaking from my womb, you know, already. And he just didn't get that. So I, that's how I felt back then, at least. Um, and, but we've worked through that and he's become a much more open human being, thank God. But yeah, but the, my first marriage, I think I, I, what I'm seeing in, what I'm seeing looking back is this, repetitive nature with the people that I really chose to connect with or spend large amounts of my life with were emotionally unavailable. They weren't able to really be present with me. And it took me having to after the second marriage. And I think it was kids that did that because I don't think I was able to do it for myself because we're always learning, right? I'm always constantly going, oh, Ashley, do this better. Like, oh, you know better, you know? But with kids, it was, I was so very protective of our space and really invested all of my attention and energy and healing what it might have been that I was attracting and, and really getting a very clear understanding of, you know, my part and everything. Did you see yourself repeating anything in their childhood that you went through in your childhood? I, I call it ancestral evolution mm-hmm. because my mother, I grew up watching my mother she's a strong female force and she and my father split she worked very hard for us she was this great example for me as a as a young girl and she often said you know the reason why i did certain things was so you knew that it was wrong ashley so you knew i'm you know i've got two brothers so it was speaking to me as a female and here i found myself in the same experience so it's been, always been very clear, especially as I've moved through it, as how do I evolve? How do I do it that much better so the girls aren't here in 42 years? How do I do this? And I think it's changing language. You know, my mom maybe didn't tell me things about my father's actions because you were supposed to not talk poorly of your spouse or the dad, which I don't believe that's, the, that's not the right wording, but it's okay to say, that behavior isn't right. What you're feeling right, or how are you feeling? That didn't feel good. That's probably because it wasn't, you know, the right way to be met emotionally, you know, from your parent or whatever. So we're, I'm, you know, still in process of trying to do that better, but therapy's great. <laughs> but look what you've done. So you just said that your mom said to you, I'm showing you this so that you know what this looks like, what not to do. And look what you did for your daughters. You, they were your bootstraps. They were, they were your impetus to pull them up and get them out and get yourself out of that second marriage. You did that. Out and educated, out and educated. Emotionally, like understanding 
you know, putting words to feelings. Otherwise we get lost in a wishwash of emotion, I think sometimes and feeling. It was very important to educate myself and then be able to educate the girls. Yeah, I mean, I was in that marriage for nine years and it was not serving any of us. You know, I uh, found myself isolated and unhappy and stressed and uh, uh, I, am, I am a giver and, and I was tapped and um, if I had stayed any longer I would not have been able to be the kind of mother that I so desperately wanted to be for the girls so you know that's not always easy because I did sort of the cliche thing of staying in a marriage because you think it might get better. You're, you're hoping it gets better because you have children and you want to honor them and you want to, you know, we fight so hard. Um, but uh, we're, I'm definitely honoring them now by being, you know, we're changing the family dynamic, you know? And so, I mean, leaving really, it was very, uh, it was definitely the road less traveled. And how financially and emotionally and all sorts of, you know. And how do you think that did, like, affect your career? Because I can imagine, you know, God, I have a, a happy marriage, you know, and I love my husband and I love my kids. And there are some days where I'm just like, I just don't think I can go on another audition or as I call it, a scheduled rejection Right, very good. Yes. You know, just, just, I'm going to go be rejected at 3.30 today at Warner Brothers. You know, it'll yeah, be fine. It's just makeup and energy. I mean, yeah. it's just, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but, um, but, and then to, to, to deal with that, I mean, what, how did you, like, did you talk to your age? Like, how, like, what did you say to yourself? Like, were you able to even read material? Were you able to even go on auditions? Were you able to do any of that? Yeah, I, I was in the beginning, um, and part of it was I really was at the rawest place of myself. I had very low self-esteem. I was uh, out of the game. Like, I just <laughs> had been sort of isolated in a house with my two kids and not, uh, I there was nothing cool about me, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so, and I was frazzled my stress level was quite high. I mean, so the cortisone and all this like, or cortisol and all this stuff. It's just like, I wasn't, my skin was bad. Everything was just off. The pH was not balanced, right? <laughs> um, so I I realized that I was just so raw and that I couldn't really take any any rejection at that place at that point. And, and I hearing myself say that now, two years later, makes me really proud of that because it's clearly I was in a place of self-preservation and self-love to say no this is my boundary i'm not interested in going and putting myself out there because i can't i can't take it and that how cool right i would mm -hmm. never have done that for myself years before because i would just take on i was a giver so i'd give energy i would just <laughs> i didn't have a understanding of what boundaries were until i was 41 years old so it was it was setting a boundary which is so great. I love setting boundaries now. I'm so pumped about setting boundaries. <laughs> I think it's just the greatest thing we can do for ourselves. Um, so anyway, I was in that place of just, no, I, I'm not, I, I'm gonna preserve and I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna heal and I'm going to nurture and, you know, and just love my children and heal us from 
a, a disconnect. We were, you know, I, I really settled into just getting down to bare bones and becoming the best person I could be and ultimately being the best mother I could be. Which meant you eating oatmeal. Oh, yeah. Afterwards, I, I would eat oatmeal. I had no money, nothing. Eating oatmeal, the girls, I, would, I drove Uber, which was, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know, I couldn't create the work and it wasn't happening. You know, it's our business is not steady always. And I needed to feed them. So I drove Uber, but I woke up every day and I thought, I'm going to turn this into a, a, a character study. You know, I think that was for my own to create creatively, I needed to express this. So I would start the day and I would think about how I could, the kind of energy I wanted to create in the car. <laughs> and taught, you know, how I, how I can be of service. And I had some wonderful experiences and they were, it was hard as hell. You know, at the end of the night, I put in $105. That was a really good night, but I could put food in the fridge the next morning you know, and it was, it's, it is difficult and there's no space for ego. There's just space for how do I set an example, pull up our bootstraps, all of us and keep punching. How do I keep moving forward? And that is what, and I, there were time moments of almost embarrassment, you know, like, Oh, I'm so embarrassed. And so I remember so you look so familiar. You look like, and I'd be like, yep, that, get, it, get it all the time. You know, I'm trying to. So there were moments uh, that were challenging for me, but the girls saw that. The girls saw me pick up and do what needed to be done to make sure that we were well. We all try our best. Yes. As mothers, my gosh, I mean, our children are our they are, we want to do, and we do our best. I can't tell you, there's countless times when I drop them off at their dads and I spend 24 hours thinking about all the things that I could have done better, how I could have handled this situation better, how I was impatient in this situation, how I, that's what we do. It is our job to worry, <laughs> you know, and, and try to give them everything that we can. It, it's impossible not to have those feelings, I think. You just pick yourself up and you get on with it. And in doing that for yourself and looking at those two little faces, your two little girls, what they are seeing perfectly exemplifies who and what you are. Your life, your past, your present does not define you. It does not own you. It is simply there to inform you. That's right. The fact that people think, Ashley Scott, gorgeous model, fabulous, talented actress, is so completely put together and perfect and everything is shiny and wonderful. But the fact is, is only eating oatmeal so her daughters can eat and is driving Uber is exactly what this podcast is about. I have had so many almost supernatural experiences with God in my life. It is a, it's, at some points, it's comical how very bold and bright the messages are. When we feel complete despair, there will be this complete despair, but there's also surrender, which is my 
key. I mean, I think that is like, we get in our own way as humans, just do. That's part of our experience. And once you can surrender and look for the beauty, look for the helpers, like Mr. Rogers says, look for the good, even if it's driving an Uber and you're hungry and you have to pee, but you have to get these more, <laughs> four more rides to make sure that you can pay whatever bill is coming up. You see the beauty in knowing this next person, I'm gonna be able to serve this next person somehow and being of service and surrendering, and then the magic happens. And it's just overwhelming how much goodness there is. So I, I'm faithful uh, to the core, that's for sure. I can't be anything else because it's so bright for me. <laughs> that's to say it. I, I actually understand that. In the midst of this, not in the midst, in the very beginning of this whole quarantine, I was supposed to do two jobs. My husband was supposed to do a job and that fell apart. We weren't in our house because it was under construction. We were in an apartment and I saw the angels come out to play. Yeah. And boy, did they come out to play. Mm. When you give, you get. And when God puts something in front of you, and, and by the way, I have not always been, I have had my crisis of faith. I have not always been, uh, what's the word, as staunch as I am now. But I think as Oprah says, when God whispers and you're not hearing it, he's gonna speak a little louder and you're not hearing, and then you're gonna get a brick thrown at your head. Sure, and that's, by the way, that's the human condition. We, you, the same with me. There's not time, there are moments where I'm like, I can't, I, uh, you know, we all feel that. So even if we are, you know, Christian of faith right. driven, we feel those moments. That's totally natural. So where are you now, Ashley? I'm on the toilet. That would be our relationship. I think the last time you were over here, I grabbed your boobs. I, it, you know, <laughs> like, why not? They're there. They're, they're beautiful. They are good. But you know what? They have definitely hit the, the road. They're, they, I, this quarantine, because I haven't worn a bra or like, you know, <laughs> they've definitely dropped. I'm a little upset about that. I don't know if there's any angels that can pull those suckers back up. I <laughs> it's called Victoria's Secret, and they actually are angels. <laughs> they wear wings. <laughs> they do? I never understood those. Yeah, now do you understand? Yeah, now we have to pray to Tyra fucking Banks for our tits. <laughs> uh, you've gotten through it. You've gone through this whole career, money, marriages, two absolute, your own personal angels. Why are you where you are now in this great place? I am in a place of absolute stillness in self. I have not abandoned myself the last two years. I've completely invested in my own voice, my own self. What does Ashley like? And I needed to focus on the kids. I needed to focus on me. Um, and it's not a, uh, I, I was, I, I've been in a place of, I wanted to say almost selfishness, which maybe is okay. I kind of have just sat with myself. <laughs> and through that, met uh, a, a man, I call him my person, I don't call him my boyfriend, who is my age, from Atlanta, I'm, you know, from the South. He was in a relationship for 
almost the exact amount of time. I mean, a couple of months here and there as I was in my marriage, they did not have children. He always wanted children. He's a Christian. We, I feel like he was raised the exact same way I was. We have the same, I mean, down to the cereals that we ate or that our mothers wouldn't let us eat, you know, like things that are so comforting. And he's so supportive of me being me. Doesn't, uh, there's no restriction. It's fun and safe and well thought out. The future is talked about. We like all these things that I just hadn't slowed down enough to maybe attract that person. Um, he is uh, my best friend. And it's so great to, to live life with this person. <laughs> and the kids feel so very heard and he just has so much fun with them. And um, just, it's really nice. It's really nice. And we also really give each other the space to just be, there's no rush. There's no time clock. There's no, no, it's just a safe place to land. And, um, and I think I attracted that because I was still, and I was still. what I maybe what I was attracting what I was allowing you know what I was saying yes to yeah so now I don't know it's healthy it's fertile ground <laughs> that's where I am I'm 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 meditating on fertile ground and that's beautiful